0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the Wednesday, June 28th edition, 2017. Hard to believe that uh, we are at the end of June, and it's uh, been a very active uh, weather month, so uh, we'll maybe kind of recap that as we end our show here uh, tonight. But welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We're going to be talking about uh, kind of a a different way of doing weather. We we talk a lot with National Weather Service meteorologists and broadcast television meteorologists, but tonight we're going to talk about... uh, How we forecast the weather over the radio airwaves, and uh, we have two great guests along with us tonight. We have Mike Cox along with us. He's up in the uh, uh, the Triad or the Tri Cities area, uh, up where uh, Ricky Matthews is at. And we also have Jennifer. I'm sorry, Jennifer. I'm just gonna I'm gonna say your first name. I'll let you introduce yourself towards me. I don't want to mess it up. But Jennifer uh, works for the Weather Eye Radio Network, and she's stationed up in the Twin Cities. Up. in minnesota so uh, welcome to you guys thanks for uh joining us tonight and uh we look forward to um look forward to hearing about you guys and what you kind of do uh as your daily job so uh, as we do that this is a live broadcast So, anyone who is watching tonight either uh, vr youtube or google hangouts uh, if you're watching on facebook live periscope i think i got them all covered james i'm not sure what all you have us on tonight but uh there's many outlets that you're watching us right now so thank you for watching if you have any questions tonight, please feel free to uh, submit them via uh, our Twitter page. It's the best one. That's the one we, we monitor the most. You can uh, reach us at Carolina WX Group, or you can also pay, uh, post them on the Facebook Live. We have uh, I have it going. I'm sure some of the other guys do as well. Uh, we'll kind of monitor that as uh, we go throughout the show. And if you're listening on the rebroadcast, maybe uh, you downloaded the podcast and you're traveling somewhere, we'll uh, let our guest... Uh, Promote their social media um, outlets at the end of the show, and that way you can reach out to them if you want to. So I think that's about all the housekeeping rules. I do want to mention uh, we have a new panelist. Uh, really not new to you guys, Erica Procius has been with us uh, for a while. Uh, he's joined us three, four, five shows, I believe. He uh, lives in the Memphis, Tennessee area, and Eric actually joined us last week. And after that, we had a conversation and we extended an invitation, and Erica happily accepted. So. Eric, uh, I'll let you start off tonight. You are in the Memphis, Tennessee area. Thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight and looking forward to uh, our regular uh, w- uh, listeners and, and watchers of this program to get to know you and kind of learn a little bit more about the Mid-South uh, weather patterns. So, Eric, welcome to Carolina Weather Group, uh, your first official night as a
1: panelist.
2: Thank you. Uh, glad to be with you tonight and uh, hopefully at the end of this show, you won't rescind that contract and uh, just pull the cord on it, uh, but I am glad to be with you and uh put a little western edge on your uh on your listening area over there and uh talk about weather patterns that are coming your way in a day or two uh as, as the weather patterns usually run uh from this way over that direction so uh i'm glad to be here uh, i am a uh by trade uh meteorologist for fedex uh aviation meteorologist here in memphis um and uh coming up on 13 years there i uh, really enjoy the time i do there and uh that's a uh, mainly in a uh, admin support capacity for the department but uh it's, uh, sub in forecasting at times as well and cross-trained on just about everything there um, and also run uh, here in Memphis uh, MemphisWeather.net, which is uh, kind of the um, Memphis brand of uh, small business that I own called Sirius uh, weather solutions uh, and we do um, uh, provide uh, weather forecasts and live uh, severe weather coverage wall-to-wall on social media um, for storms that come through the Memphis area. Um, I have a couple of uh, great interns from Mississippi State who help to maintain the uh, the page and the feed on Twitter and Facebook and so forth. Uh, and we've been uh, doing that for several years now. Uh, it's turned out uh, pretty good and have pulled in some uh, some pretty nice um, side gigs with that as well, doing some consulting work um, for various festivals and sports teams and so forth here in the Memphis area. Um, and uh, so glad to be with you guys and uh, and uh, being part of the gang.
0: Yeah, we're happy to have you. And uh, like we said, we, we're looking forward to uh, your perspective. And uh, welcome, uh, welcome again to the Carolina Weather Group uh, on a full time or on a regular basis for now. So we
1: appreciate it. Thank you.
0: All right, well, let's go over to uh, – let's go up to uh, Peter's world. Peter, I guess um, you uh, – what was it, Monday morning you guys had that active uh, storm system move through, kind of woke you up with the tornado warning up there in the outside of Philly?
3: Yeah, it was Saturday morning. I, uh, Saturday morning, yeah. Such excitement at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, we uh, I got woken up, tornado warning in my county uh, because we had the remnants of Tropical Storm Cindy, uh, come through early Saturday morning. But luckily, uh, no damage around my house or any town around me. But farther up north got pretty destroyed with uh, trees down, wires down, all that good stuff. And then, uh, what was it, a couple days before, I think, we had another, uh, like, squall line come through, a bow echo, and that destroyed things too. So uh, it's been kind of an active uh, week or so uh, around here with all this heat and humidity. But the last couple days actually been pretty nice. Low humidity, low 80s for highs. Now we're going to go back up to the 90s again over the weekend uh, with high humidity, maybe more storms on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, 4th of July, not looking too bad as a nail. Mid-80s, kind of sticky out, uh, maybe a shower or storm. But hopefully we'll get those fireworks in and uh, I won't get blamed for the bad weather.
4: Bob P, that seems like a lot of activity for your area. I'm I'm surprised you didn't snap off the coastline into the Atlantic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
3: you know. You know how
0: it is. Listen, we want man-made fireworks 4th of July, not Mother Nature's, right? That's
3: right. I could do it without the thunderstorms on 4th of July.
0: There you go. Well, let's uh, go to a guy who's not been with us for a few weeks. He's been out traveling the world on business, Mr. James Briarton. How are you doing tonight, my friend?
5: Um, Does this glass of wine answer that question? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's just grape juice. I it's would never juice. drink wine during <laughs> Uh, Good to be back. Weather's been pretty nice here in uh, Charlotte. I did snap some uh, pretty aviation photos during my travels that I would like to share with you all. Uh, I made a trip up to um, if if it'll let me share them. Made a trip up to uh, Peter's neck of the woods, and then I made another trip up to Long Island, which is in in this grand scheme of things also kind of Peter's neck of the woods, I guess.
0: it's not like any tonight, James.
5: No, it's really not. Anyway, uh, oh, this was my return again. trip to Charlotte. This is somewhere over the skies of Jersey. Uh, with all due respect to uh, Peter, this is Jersey at its best, about 30,000 <laughs> feet up. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this was when I departed Charlotte uh, the morning of two earlier. Uh, so it was just some really nice cloud photos. Maybe it was just the fact that I don't normally uh, – get the window seat so i got the window seat this time so i was i was quite happy about is that that. the
4: best was that the best part of charlotte too no no
0: (laughs) no
5: no, no. no, the best part of charlotte let's see is uh five o'clock
0: traffic on 77 correct
5: no no no, i'm I'm trying to think food here scotty um (laughs) could be pinkies oh yeah, yeah pinkies is good oh yeah i'm gonna go with that for now
0: Listen, when you guys – sorry, I know we're, we're rambling on, but when, when all of us meet in Charlotte, we are going to – James and I will take you to Pinkies.
5: Oh, I should let Eric know since he's new. Um, Scotty forever says he's going to meet you for lunch and then never does. So.
0: <laughs> that's because that's because someone has to go to New York all the time.
5: Oh, sorry. Peter doesn't want to see me when I'm up there either, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's all good.
0: All right, well, you can tell this show's off to a great start. And I, I think that grape juice has got you a little unfiltered tonight, James. I like it.
3: He's throwing his <laughs> soul right. under the bus.
0: All right, I'm going to toss it to Shay, and then Shay, I'll let you toss it to Ricky as we can get into the show tonight. Uh, Shay, house <laughs> things being in the uh, the low country of South Carolina?
4: You, Pretty you guys,
0: good. You, you're calming down. No tropics, right?
4: Nope, nope, no tropics yet, at least uh, not not that we can see. Uh, but James breaking the rule of thumb that he's been harping on me for, don't ever drink anything in front of the camera. Look at him. Look at him go.
5: Delicious, delicious grape juice.
4: (laughs) Well, uh, let's see this weekend. We had some really, uh, hot weather. I mean, it's pretty hot with southerly sea breezes along the beaches. We had moderate flow. We got up to near 20 to 24 knots at times, especially just inside the coastal break. So we had some, uh, uh, pretty pretty strong Bermuda High setup with sea breeze uh, circulations in the afternoon that brought the winds up, of course. Uh, the, the sandbar activity off of Sullivan's Island where we go kiteboarding a lot. The Wind Sports Wounded Warriors was in town, so we had a really successful uh, event with them. But there was six saves, six saves of swimmers that were um, trapped in deep water with strong currents. And five kiteboarders pulled six people out of the water on Saturday alone before the emergency management crews showed up, so we're getting a little bit of recognition for that. I think they're doing a story in the Post and Courier, and I don't know we just got to keep your eye out, especially when you're on the water. If you're out on the beach, keep your eye on people. If they need help, help them. It's a very quiet thing; you don't hear. It's not like in the movies where they're waving their arms and yelling and screaming. It's usually something where they're they're in the water and their head's barely above it, and they're just trying to keep keep uh, breathing. So, other than that, we had a nice little turnaround starting on Monday with a little bit of a northerly wind, uh, kind of. Modestly pulsing to the area, picked up to moderate levels yesterday and today, so we had a nice east-northeast sea breeze, which cooled the temperatures down. So we're down to the low to mid-80s for highs, and then the the lows actually being in the upper 60s to low 70s feels really good right now. So we're going to milk that for the next day or two until temperatures slowly come back up into the weekend with a modest southerly sea breeze coming back into the area. And that's pretty much it. Our our sea surface temperatures are 84.1 degrees. They're getting a little bit warmer. It should get even warmer with a southerly return flow. Uh, tropics are fairly quiet in the Atlantic. There's nothing expected. There was a tropical wave coming off of Africa that the National Hurricane Center gave a very low chance that to dissipate today and all eyes are really on the Eastern Pacific right now where more of the activity is going on. Uh, the El Nino, mm, I know we touched on the El Nino, but right now, uh, the diagnostic is starting to slide t- more towards in the ENSO discussion, more towards a neutral to a cold bias neutral phase actually, so we may be looking at possible, I wouldn't say, I think there's still a possibility that we could have an El Nino uh, by the fall, a very weak, maybe warm bias neutral, but it's starting to slide into the negative towards more of a, a, a normal status for all intents and purposes. So uh, back to you, Scotty.
0: All right, thank you, Shay. I appreciate that. And I'm glad to get getting those sea surface temperatures up. So when I do go to the beach in a couple of weeks, I'll, I won't be chicken of the cold
1: ocean water. So. Anyways,
0: all right, Ricky, I'm going to hand it off to you. I'll let you uh, finish off uh, the show.
6: All righty. Well, let's get things kicked off here and kind of do something a little different. I think it's the first time we've had radio meteorologists on before. You know, typically we're working with television sides and uh, some other sides, but we're happy to have Mike and Jennifer joining us tonight to kind of talk a little bit about what they do. Mike, I can't remember if you've been on with us before or not. Is this your first time with us? And Mike may not be there at the moment, so let's try with Jennifer. I know it's Jennifer's first time. So, hi, welcome. Tell us a little bit about what you do.
7: Hi, thanks for having me. So, yeah, I work for, as you mentioned earlier, Weather Eye Radio Network and Weatherology.com. Basically, uh, what we do is we do forecasts all throughout the country. We got a team of uh, several meteorologists that do that, and then we uh, input the forecasts all together and uh, kind of work off of each other's work, and then. Basically, my specific responsibility is in the morning as I do the forecast. Uh, I start at 3.30 in the morning. It's great because weather and radio never actually go to sleep. Um, So uh, yeah, and then I do uh, for radio, uh, we have radio stations that hire us to do all these uh, live spots and recorded spots for them. So basically what they do is uh, uh, I record like 28 to 30 seconds up to a minute to three minutes, sometimes 18 seconds, of just a forecast that we've created for them send that off to them, and then they uh, put it on the radio however long that they want to uh, do that, and then keep updating them throughout the day. Um, They also request us to do live spots with them. So in the morning, I'll have, I have up to maybe about 30 calls with radio stations, and pretty much just chit-chatting about it's really it's really fun actually it's about 30 seconds worth of weather and nine and a half minutes of each station nearly about just whatever random topic of the day um so that helps kind of break up the weather pattern uh part of the day and then um we also do uh forecasts for golf uh, golf companies and electric companies so just to kind of tell people whether they should be going out or you know to close the golf courses and whatnot and um, severe weather cut-ins as well. So as soon as something comes in on our radar, we will cut into a radio station and be like, hey, this is what's going on. Um, These are the locations. This is exactly what you can expect, whether it's hail or or like a tornado warning or straight-line winds. So we go into doing that. That generally takes up a lot of time, especially during the severe weather season. And then um, I'm partially in charge of educational outreach. So we'll go to the to some schools around the state, around other cities, and kind of trying to talk to uh, students. A lot of times it's more younger, it's more young students to get them interested in STEM, not just meteorology or weather in specific, because we do also a lot of uh, experiments and it's with static, with you know, electricity, with other things, and t- kind of talking a little bit about math and all the physics that goes in uh, chemistry that go into specific sort of uh, science programs. So I think that's Uh, if I had known how much math and physics was involved in meteorology um, that might have changed my idea but we we feel that we wanted to let people know hey just so you're not surprised this is how it is but don't be deterred just be prepared for it so yeah kind of that's basically what we do
6: that's awesome always good to get the word out about uh weather safety and STEM and everything like that Mm -hmm. um your company how I guess how big is the company and then how common are these companies? I know there's a couple big ones in the United States who do kind of weather for radio, but how does yours kind of fit into the whole uh, collection?
7: I believe ours is the largest privately owned company. We only have about, uh, I think, 13 meteorologists that work. So, um, And it's a 24-hour company. And we're, I think, the primary ones that do the severe weather cut-ins. That's really what makes us different from all those, those other companies. And we do it also on a broader range, whereas other companies will specifically do just something around you know whatever national weather service area is so whether it's you know lincoln illinois for central illinois or the chicago area or the twin cities or you know uh la and we do it for the entire uh united states so that's kind of what sets us a little bit different particularly with our uh how we cover severe weather
6: okay let's bring in mike mike and then we'll uh, kind of circle back around and, and bounce off both of you for some questions mike Tell us a little bit about how your job differs here in the Tri-Cities.
1: Well, what I end up having to do is, uh, I do basically what you do actually. (laughs) Except the difference is, of course, it's radio, so I can't show anybody anything. So, half minutes to do weather like you do either, Lucky. Um, What I do is we have a bunch of different frequencies with translators and all of that. And uh, my job is to every half an hour or so tell everybody what the weather is going to be. And your weather, that's my goal in life is to tell people, hey, you've got problems, whichever way you need to. And uh, with four different stations, that can be interesting. At least they're all in the same building. And that helps. And uh, they're not very far away from each other either but uh, on a a daily basis because around here in this part of the country, there's not a lot of severe weather that happens that will require long form coverage from my standpoint. So what I do is I'll have the weather forecast a couple of times an hour and get updated. Just to basically as quickly as I can tell what to do. And those forecasts, Be anywhere from 15 seconds to 30 and the 30 is actually 40 because of the intro and the close that's added to it on one of our stations and that's that's pretty much it it's just a daily forecast that i do i do have a weather blog tricitieswx.com and uh, whenever i do a forecast i'll post to all of my social media and all of that and uh just weather information out to people. That's the, that's the
6: goal. I mean, it the, the seems like the number one thing with radio is obviously it's shorter. Mike was talking about how there's 20, 30 seconds. Jennifer, you mentioned you guys do 30 seconds. Talk a little bit about the challenges of that. Either one of you wants to go first and how you have to kind of condense what you want to say, what I may say in three and a half minutes, especially on a big weather event day, into that tiny little time frame.
7: Well, for us specifically, I mean, I, I used to, I was actually uh, part-time at a TV station, so it's easier, obviously, to be in front of a green screen and point to things and say, here's what's happening. You can see what's happening. And as I moved and transitioned over into radio, you realize you really have to, as you know, Mike was saying, that you really have to describe it a lot more. I found myself pointing to the computer screen and be like, oh, no one can see that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it really boils down to what the station really wants. So whereas, you know, you might be going into three minutes talking about, you've got this low pressure system going into this and that most of the stations, because they only have certain amount, a certain spot allowed per hour for the weather, they just really want highs, lows, highs, lows for the, you know, for today and the next few days. Um, at least for us now, some stations, the ones that we have that are one to three minutes long we'll go into a synoptic forecast on you know here's what's happening we've got this you know alberta clipper coming in or something of that sort and then the last 30 seconds ends up being more of a specific now here specifically for this area here's your forecast high low high low so that's kind of uh it's really hard to kind of really speak about it and describe it as opposed to just pointing to it so it really was quite a it's quite a bit of an adjustment.
1: Difficult, uh, difficult thing especially if there's a lot going on Like 17 seconds for example I get it's actually tonight and tomorrow and that's as far as I can go most of the time especially this time of year where every afternoon and evening is showers and thunderstorms so it takes a while to say showers and thunderstorms so the more detail you need to have less you can stay and we have tried to combat that is to do forecasts and just rotate on the uh, top gun radio I used to be on every 15 minutes all day long with my 17 second forecast and to keep that from being absolutely ridiculous have to record three different ones. So if there is a day when I have a lot of things I need to talk about, I'll say part of it in one, part of it in the next one, and part of it in the third one if I have to. And then hopefully with being a country station with the constant listening aspect, if they're listening for long enough, they'll get all three if they, are other stations don't necessarily work that way, um, the one station, WHCB, that's the one I've got 30 seconds. So if I need to take 30 seconds talking about what's happening today, I can do it. That's not a problem. Um, but on those stations where there's 15 seconds, now that there's pretty much just one forecast I do every day, that's uh, that can be very, very difficult to kind of organize everything.
6: Are there certain areas, um, especially Jennifer, since you guys do a region-wide forecast or for, forecast for many different places that you find want longer forecasts kind of want those long form synoptic forecasts maybe because of the region they're located in
7: uh no most of them don't want that longer synoptic forecast actually it's very <laughs> few and far between that we actually get it so and it, it is really sparingly so we've got some and uh we really have one in every region the midwest the south uh, the southwest the southeast and new england and yeah it's really it's really very random
6: Okay. Any specific things per region that they want or anything different per region that they would want?
7: Well, uh, in the Midwest, it's mostly, you know, it's, it's a lot more of these Midwest and Gulf Coast regions. It's mostly, you know, talk about the heat and humidity during the summer months. And then in the winter, particularly in the central and northern plains, they really want you to focus on, Where is it going to be snowing? Where is it going to be the hail sleet mix? Where is it going to, where that fine line is going to be? And then that ends up being really difficult to actually add in, in those 30 seconds. So whereas, you know, on a normal high pressure day, I'd say, well, here's your forecast today through, you know, Friday, I can get five days in when there's something going along the lines of like, well, we've got a rain slope, snow uh, sleet turning into rain, and then back into snow in the overnight hours. But a little bit of, you know, hail coming in as well, Um, or not hail, but, you know uh, freezing rain or something, it ends up in Oklahoma. Up, you never know, yeah, that's true, that's really true. Um, yeah, it ends up being more of a I can only talk about today and tomorrow because there's that much information in 30 seconds that I can give out. So, um, and then you know, in the southwest region, it's just it's hot, it's a pretty easy forecast overall. Um, and just the rain that's in you know, uh, the Pacific Northwest, so it just, yeah, I mean mostly the 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 most difficult things are going to be more along the uh the gulf coast region and the central and northern plains because that's where it's you know going to be the most humid sticky and constantly changing
6: mike the same kind of applies for our region you know we have the valleys and the mountains is there a struggle in communicating that across our region
1: there is a vast struggle with that i mean 17 seconds you know it's basically like, especially this time of year, showers and thunderstorms, better chances in the mountains. That's as far as I can go. Higher elevations maybe in 17 seconds. Again, 30, that's a little bit better because I can a little bit more. And uh, like like there are thunderstorms that are gonna develop in the mountains, get to drift into the cities that happens all the time. But, but, yeah, with, with time constraints, it's really, really difficult to get everything uh, to get in.
6: We talk about time constraints, but in a world that kind of works in 140 characters and only reads the headlines on Facebook, is perhaps that a good thing in some aspects? I mean, obviously, we can't get detailed into the forecast, but maybe that's all people want sometimes. Yeah.
1: Um, if i was to sit there and write it out and say tweet the same thing i broadcast it would actually work for the shorter ones i think it would be quite um second stations to the twitter stations (laughs) i guess you could say it that way um those are kind of comparable
6: And Jennifer, how do you guys go about kind of composing what you're going to say?
7: Yeah, well, we've gotten from uh, feedback because we we kind of tested that a little bit to see what people wanted to see on Facebook and Twitter and other uh, sources of social media. And it turns out a lot of times it's just they really do want something short and to the point. If you want to talk a little bit more about it, we will go into a blog. But, you know, generally what we've understood, especially with radio and uh social media, it's just the aspect that, you know, generally people are, are in a rush. They're not gonna be in their cars for too long to be able to listen to a, you know, ridiculously long forecast. And then, uh, you know, they just wanna scroll through Twitter. Oh, okay, in my neck of the woods, it's gonna be sunny, um, high of 80 and, you know, very low wind. So we that's generally what we've focused on, on uh, you know, as far as a specific forecast or, you know, regional kind of forecast, hey, this is happening. And people seem to be really responsive towards that.
6: Okay uh what was that viewer question there it is Uh, i had a question from one of our viewers and this kind of ties into a good segue here um you know in my area i work with wcyb tv and we actually do radio for a few of our local radio partners that we work with and so craig's question was how hard is it to compete in radio for weather when local tv stations have many of these deals with radio stations across the nation
7: Well, for us we generally do a little bit more of the smaller radio stations in kind of rural um, wisconsin minnesota iowa the dakotas and onward and on uh, onward and forward so you know uh the tv station that i used to work with it was it was the local meteorologist that would go on and do the forecast i think mainly because in a bigger city people tend to gravitate towards someone that they know what they look like they know what they sound like and they kind of tend to trust a little bit more when they can see it so that's kind of the other aspect of Radio that people don't seem to you know realize it's you see someone on TV you get the way you know Their mannerisms the way they're talking the way they look you tend to trust them a little bit more And so we tend to stay uh, because there are those contracts with those bigger stations in the bigger cities We're a little bit more on the smaller stations and focusing on the areas that might not be as focused on with uh, you know Those big city type meteorologists.
6: It was really funny one time we did a school talk uh, Chris Michaels and I in kingsport and we asked the kids hey do you guys you know know who we are have you ever watched us and they're like no but we know your voice because of all the radio stations that we work with they knew our voice from there and they recognized it i'm assuming from one of the radio stations in the tri city so i thought that was kind of neat mike uh how how's uh, competing against me it's
1: kind of annoying walking into a business and hearing your voice doing the winter I'll, uh... <laughs> the speakers like Ricky shut up <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's in, in our specific situation um really try to compete with you guys or WJ the other station around um it's kind of work, working together like when we went to uh Shady Valley for that uh um that is that was kind of a working together thing um, so I don't know for, for my case, I don't know if we compete necessarily. I think it's a lot of working together. I mean, sure, I'd much rather have people listening to my stations and listening to me than listening to those stations and listening to you by far, you know, that, that, duh. But, uh, um, me competing with the TV stations, that's not necessarily a thing. Because really, honestly, the only big difference, people are going to be in their cars listening to, say, one of my stations. They'll hear me do a forecast. That's a little bit easier, although nowadays with phones, you can stream Ricky's videos all the time. But uh, it's a little bit easier to hear a forecast off the radio when you're driving than it is to try to pull up the app and do all of that mm-hmm. stuff. So that helps. Mm-hmm.
6: Uh, that, that's a good um, point because I mean a lot of times you're in the car and It's not like you're gonna flip the channel or you may flip the radio station I suppose if commercials come on but you're kind of in that mode where you're not really gonna be doing a ton of other things so You almost have the viewers attention or the listeners attention unlike us on TV where we're trying to compete against them getting ready in the morning and doing five other things and uh, you know trying to wrangle their dog out the house and everything like that so
1: and we've heard a lot from people that will us will have they'll have their radio on in the background while they're getting ready for their day. So they'll be TV and can't hear it, but the radio is still there. Of course, I know TV has audio too, but um, our listeners will station on all the time um, and when the little when the singers start they know. Oh, hey it's time for the weather before they even say the word weather and then they'll be able to uh as far as severe weather situations it's difficult because of what jeff was talking about earlier i can't show you anything eventually if i start doing hangouts or facebook lives or something like that that could be a possibility i could screen share it or something but uh, when it comes to that i'm and in severe weather situations for me i have to jump between studios i don't have a override switch is what i call it where i can just go in a studio hit a button and i'm on all of them at once i can't do that yet the shady tornado um a month ago i guess um maybe longer but after that, some of the staff around here said, yeah, I agree with you now, you really do need something like that. And we've just moved from, uh, we used to be in downtown Bristol, we're now in Bluntville, which interestingly, we mentioned FedEx earlier, there is a, a FedEx location about over here that we are uh, headquartered next to now. And uh, everything together yet so that's uh that's part of the challenge as well to just try to get everything put together to where it works but at the very minimum that's between studios that takes every five minutes is how it ends up having to be done and i just with severe weather it's just make sure to where everything is and you got to know a lot of places like james span knows where all those barbecue joints are and all of that stuff and jason simpson does the same thing it's it's you've got to do that when you're in when you're doing radio because people will know that you can't just show it to them
4: yeah you could you could definitely say that you you need to know the layout of the land county by county city by city when you're talking on radio for your area i would imagine um james i mean we've, we've done a couple of carolina weather group shows where we covered storms and covered power outages from western north carolina all the way to the coastline one night it was it was quite a feat but he was on top of it. Uh, he knows North Carolina better than I would. He knows it better than I would know South Carolina and I'm from here. Uh, but how your outreach for the tri cities, how, how far out do you go? I mean, you said that both of you work on smaller radio. Uh, I'm not that familiar with how radio works and with TV stations as well. I know here we have some of the main channels that the TMA, um, whatever bandwidth that is in every city, the TV Mets come on and they sort of give a little spiel on all the major radio stations. Ah, uh, but your your outreach to your audience, how far out do you go? Do you go across the country with all the smaller radio stations? And do you have folks that ask call the radio station up and ask what are they thinking? Yeah, I guess that'll good. go to Jennifer. Jennifer. Sorry.
7: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's exactly what we do. We have, um, I mean, like like I said, we we broadcast all across the country. and because there are so many of us in at a time, Um, everyone kind of takes a different region and we have the kind of relationship with our clients that we're able, that we set up generally before the severe weather season starts, whether it's, you know, kind of January, February, kind of maybe even into early March, uh, start talking to them like, Hey, so what might be, uh, something like a landmark that we need to know, whether it is a restaurant or there's, you know, something specific on whatever road that we can see on our radar. So, you know, as Mike was saying, we definitely have to be able to, you know, describe the area as to the best of our knowledge. And because we do it for such a broad range, we're not as well versed as to what's where, but we do with the best as that we can. And, uh, you know, we do immediate break-ins. We call in the radio stations and we're like, hey, listen, you've got the severe thunderstorm warning and or a tornado warning. Um, we ask them if they want us to cover it. If they don't, they just ask us for the information and then they'll go on and they'll cover it. Otherwise, sometimes we even have a break-in where we can override the radio stations and just be like, hey, Here's what's happening. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we can go into as specific as we can, but that's kind of one of the disadvantages that we can't do exactly like, hey, you know, when you turn on Route 39 and pass the KFC, um, you know, that's not something that we're going to know. But we do have for certain parts, certain most of our radio stations, and we kind of have a list showing like, if you're talking about this area this is kind of what they're known for so kind of talk it in relative to that specific uh kind of landmark or whatever so uh it, it we do it with great difficulty but uh people seem to really appreciate the fact that we're helping them out with that kind of stuff
4: i always think of some of the old like 40s and 50s radio radio wave forecast when they would come on it would sound like a horse race and they would talk about you know horse number three horse number four except it was a storm in such and such county and going and going and going uh i don't i don't imagine it's probably like that anymore but uh mike from your perspective uh for the tri-cities area do you feel like some days it's like that i mean you have a lot of ground to cover in in metropolitan areas i mean you're with you're with jennifer as well going across the country you feel like it's a horse race at times sometimes it is a lot of
1: the times we have the interesting situation of when storms are headed our way, they kind of die out before they get here. And that that helps a lot occasionally, like I keep mentioning Shady Valley because that's the most recent thing. Occasionally they'll come in and go over a mountain and then coming down the mountain, they'll spin off a tornado like that storm did. The, uh, The storms are pretty much worn out by the time they get here. That said, and not have to count on, or not not something you can count on, as far as like climatology is concerned, because it seems like we get severe thunderstorm and tornado watches for a lot of people around here, and quote nothing really happens. It's easy to get caught up in that, and then when you have a storm that just pops out of the middle of nowhere, it uh, it kind of reminds you to expect the unexpected whenever there's storms like that and it's uh, the topography of the area is really the big thing and the valleys around here kind of affect the rotation of the storms and all of that it's it's definitely interesting to uh to keep track of kind of
0: kind of piggybacking off of what she was talking about um jennifer uh I'll direct this question first to you since you kind of do more of a a, a national scene. Um, You're talking about how you guys maybe divide into different regions. Is it harder for you guys to, or for maybe, uh, I guess you can't speak for the others, but for yourself, is it it harder for some regions to forecast than others? I mean, I know here in the southeast, everybody on the panel here can, can tell you uh, you know the Carolina wedge uh, is really difficult to forecast here in the Carolinas or or maybe is, is where are the storms going to fire or where's the dry line going to fire in the Midwest um, how, how hard is it kind of juggling all those different regions and, and trying to get a, a great forecast when you have so many nuances to, to forecast off of
7: Right yeah so again it's mostly you know every uh, every met here at WeatherEye does a specific region so we've gotten to know a little bit better. uh, Our specific regions, what makes it tick what's what makes it um, you know what makes the severe weather pop up when at what point of the day and whatnot. Um, it's not as difficult as it seems, I mean i've been here already for six years, so i've gotten used to the fact that I do most of the. Uh, northwestern portion of the Midwest and, you know, the, the Michigan and uh, Illinois and Indiana and, um, all off towards even, well, actually, no, all even out towards like Montana, but not as much that, uh, as far West as Montana, but so I focus on that area. And, you know, when we're talking about, you know, it's, you, you understand that there's humidity, you have that, you know, those types of dry lines that come in that can, you know, create things and salt install, install certain systems. Um, because I've been doing this specific area already for six years. It feels like this is my area. This is what I know what to do. And luckily the other Mets that have the other areas, they're well-versed in their areas as well. So when we connect it, it's easier to see. And we have a discussion, um, because it is a radio station. All of us are in our different studios. We have a discussion being like here, here's why I think this is happening. Um, let me know if you think otherwise, and then we'll kind of if we need to tweak it because someone missed something or not, it's not often that that happens, but, uh, um Shay, you were talking earlier about uh you know maybe something that's really quick fire you know rapid fire like a horse race that's definitely something that happens especially during the day if something's going on from you know the up all the way down to texas and you, we have all these storms that we're trying to cover and trying to get out to people so you know when you have something and we generally have to talk about certain counties some radio stations don't want this county or they want only a specific part of the county so it is kind of like Hey, here's one of our stations we need to give you your warning, but then I also have about 10 other stations I need to get to. So it is kind of like a as much information as I can get it out as quickly as I can and then move on. Um so that ends up, you know, but because we do such a broad range, I feel like uh it's it is kind of kind of like a big quick type of thing.
4: Do you ever have to skip over areas like sort of stay out of the the reach of the the larger radio stations or do you just keep going right through?
7: Oh, no, we go we keep going right through. Yeah, because even though there's, you know, let's say, for example, in the Chicago area, there's there are the main stations where, you know, someone like Tom Skilling would be the radio, you know, the radio voice for them. There are smaller stations in the uh, suburbs that we will talk to. So maybe not directly to the you know downtown area of, of Chicago or, you know, Indianapolis or the Twin Cities or wherever. But there are other areas that still do reach out into this into the city. It's just a matter of, you know. Uh, where, who's actually listening to what, but yeah, no, we, we do, we definitely don't leave anything out.
4: Understood. I think Eric, uh, you have a question for Jennifer, correct?
2: Yeah, I do. So uh, you talked a little bit about some of the background knowledge you get from the stations when you're, you know, off, off air consulting with them kind of figure out the, the local area and that kind of thing. Um, so do you, do you also get, um, I would guess, you know, what, what the range uh, of the stations, you know, the, the signal reaches so that you're not talking about things that are, not important they're too far out or whatever and and how do you manage that if it's different at all the different places
7: yeah so we have our our uh, uh technology team actually has a program that tells us uh we have a severe weather manager that's in charge of all that stuff so every year again as i mentioned earlier in like january february he starts contacting all these stations So a lot of stations so we have to you know spend a lot of time doing that and say okay what's updated because sometimes stations go through different general managers or different you know uh different types of uh management or whatever and uh yeah we have actually a, a program that is specific to our company that tells us, hey, you have to call this radio station, only talk about this area. And then you know, once it's out of this area, don't talk about it. Or it's, we want this area to be talked about, but only between the hours of 5 PM and 7 PM, or we don't want something overnight. So the overnight guys get a break because they don't have to talk to them. Um, but most of the day it's kind of like, yeah. So it, it, it really does depend on where they are and some signals are stronger than others, is particularly in rural areas. So um, yeah, we actually have a program that tells us here's where you're going to talk about with this specific station. Then when you go to the next one, here's where you're going to talk about. So it, it, we have a pretty decent way of, you know, kind of keeping track of that.
2: Cool. So the, the software that you're using then is built in-house to do that. They manage the, uh, the software in-house for that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And is that the same thing for your weather software that you use? Are you using just standard off the shelf tools to, for, you know, radar and, and just general synoptic patterns and stuff like that, or internet, or are you using a, Third party company that provides that, um, you know, your your background weather information to you?
7: I mean, for when we generate our own forecasts, again, we have something that was created specifically for us from our tech guy. So it is just a unique system for us where we input, you know, say here's going to be the, you know, this region is going to be in the 60s and we tweak what's going to be where and what city. Um, But as far as actually coming up for the forecast, yeah, we do. We use, you know, National radar or specific radar, um, you know, I look at uh, surface maps and upper air maps, you know, generally what you would see from, you know, any sort of yeah. government kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Cool. cool. Thanks.
0: Question, question for both of you guys, because um, I know how winter weather is covered here in the south. Um, Eric, you probably know as well. Uh, what is what is more difficult for you guys on the radio side? Severe weather or winter weather? I mean, maybe depending on the region that's affecting?
7: For me specifically, it's winter weather. I cannot stand it because again, if I'm forecasting for several States at a time, you know, I take several hours to do it, but you know, especially in the upper Midwest, it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly where that line is going to be because you could have one area that's going to get 10 inches of snow and then move five miles north and they're going to get maybe an inch to two inches. So it's really hard, you know, as opposed to a meteorologist that's going to be in one specific area, let's say, um, you know, you're around Fargo, North Dakota, and you're just forecasting for, for Fargo and just that area, you know, you can really hone in on that kind of thing, but because I'm doing it for a broader area, it's, I, for me, it's a lot more difficult. Severe weather, you know, it's pretty much the only chance thing you're going to get, it, it's going to rain, it's going to be windy, and there may or may not be a tornado, and, uh, you know, you'll get, you may likely get some hail, but with winter weather, there's so many different aspects, especially in the Midwest. Um, that you'll get, you know, snow, the snow ratio and uh, whether there's going to be freezing rain or sleet. And then sometimes we throw in some grapple. um, And that's what ends up being really difficult for me. And especially, you know, if some stations are like, okay, well, specifically for this area, you know, you're saying this is what's going to happen. You know, what if I go a little bit farther to the north, then I have to switch over and look, okay, well, what's happening in that area. And uh, so I have to have kind of like a big, map of our forecasts of saying like okay well let me check what that's going to be well they're not going to see as much even though they're farther north a lot of people seem to think that you know the farther north you go the more snow you get but that's not necessarily always the case so it's kind of hard to forecast for that speak about it and describe exactly what the you know the synoptic is for all that kind of stuff
1: winter weather is uh difficult especially when you have only 15 or 30 seconds to Tell people what's about to happen, and around here, this part of the area, um, Ricky may know a little bit about this too. We tend to be on the line, and sometimes we'll have south of the Tri Cities, Greenville down that way, Forest Town. It'll be all rain all the time, and they're like, "Well, what are y'all talking about?" And then you go into Southwest Virginia, in. Uh, in say wise county where if in the tri-cities you get two snowflakes wise county's got three inches and their schools are out for a week it's here it's a it's a huge range and when you factor in the possibility of sleet and freezing rain very difficult and then trying to communicate that in a short amount of time it's it's Very, very much a challenge.
7: Yeah, I can't even imagine that. For us, you know, you get up to 10 inches of snow, and people are like, yeah, still going to work today. Nothing's closed. Let's go.
6: (laughs) All right. Sky, did you have something you wanted to show as we're getting close to uh, the end? If not, I have another question, and we can't hear you.
4: Sky's muted again. (laughs)
6: Well, uh, Jenny, um,
4: Ricky, go ahead and ask yours. We're, we're gonna get weatherology.com up on the screen and do a little presentation, and we're getting to about 10 till the hour, so we're gonna give Jennifer an opportunity to introduce her website and talk a little bit about it, and then uh, wrap it up with our golden question uh, <laughs> how they got into weather. So go ahead.
6: Okay. All right. Uh, so my question for both Jennifer and Mike, and I already know Mike's answer, but I'm interested to hear him. is um, What's the biggest weather event you've covered so far?
7: Oh, man. Um, oh, and I'm gonna, where was that the twin tornadoes that happened? What a couple of years, a year? Or two
6: the older Nebraska or something yeah, like that.
7: That's where it was. We were, I wasn't specifically covering it, but my coworker was, and we were trying to help them out with, you know, it was more of a collaborative type of thing, like, hey, we're going to help you out. Here's what, you know, because we all kind of have different knowledge of what's going on, like, you know, certain areas in that, uh, certain things in that area. So we were helping out with that. So I wasn't specifically on airwaves for it, but you know, when you have something like twin tornadoes that doesn't generally happen very often, um, it's, it's really very kind of scary. You get in these types of situations where, um, you know, it's you realize you still have to be professional yet. You cannot, and especially being a weather nerd, you want to be like, Oh, that's super cool but not really because we know what's actually happening. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the, that's the one that comes to mind.
1: As far as I'm concerned and Ricky, I've talked about this with you a couple of times, so yeah, it's obvious. And it's April 27th, 2011 is the big one. I've been three years, this was, that was the third, I think It was, it was, stuff worked up a little bit because I watched all the coverage from Alabama, Mississippi, and all of the stuff that was going on down there, the Tuscaloosa tornado. I watched that all the way through. And then toward the end of, but at some point it was happening both there and here. So I had to move into my own coverage and then. Words train wreck come to mind <laughs> because I had a radar system that's working off Java. You know where this is going? It, everything got busy because everybody was looking at the radar and all of that stuff, and it went down. Had a white screen on the monitor, could not see anything. Eventually, I got everything restarted and fixed that problem in the midst of coverage by myself. And then I'm doing a tornado warning. And also, too, on radio, something if you're in the studio, you TV station has it, too. But every radio station has the emergency alert system. Well, it will interrupt you. If you're talking, if you see the warning before it gets it and you're talking about it, it will cut you off. I had to dodge those. A few times I was unsuccessful with that and then i was there was a tornado warning for bristol which is where our studios were at the time that heard hail hitting the back door towards that building heard the golf ball out of tail hitting the back door and then boom power went out flat gone and all of our stations went off. And at the time I only needed to be on one because the others didn't have their translators and associated FM's and all of that was spooky. To be in a radio station, everything, our computers ran for 15 minutes, but the equipment that got everything to the transmitter, had shut off. So for about 15 minutes, I'm still, I was able to tweet warnings and all that stuff at the time. And then those computers went down in the back door and i just said okay i'm taking cover i can't do anything else so i went into one of the offices and sat there and like the, everything at one point went down i couldn't even use my cell phone very kind of isolating you know in this age where you can get hold of anybody at any time i couldn't get hold of nobody for anything and eventually one thing at a time everything came back up the power came back up and uh is off but that uh and we lost uh, i think 14 or 15 if you add one that way a couple of years later 14 or 15 people from that and i know it's not 252 for that day but losing 14 people in
6: three tornadoes
1: both of those numbers have never been heard of in one day around here amongst locals that just that's just a day i'm not because of all of the all of the stuff that happened it was just phenomenal in so many different ways
6: it's always the, the times when uh we don't expect everything to go wrong and it seems that things go wrong sometimes so mm-hmm. all right uh to do let's see um Shay, go ahead. Sorry, I lost yeah. my transform. We song. wanted to go
4: ahead and uh, share Jennifer's website, weatherology.com. Let me know when you can see this. Yep. Good. Okay, I'm yep. going to present to everyone and just go, go right ahead. I'll try, to, I'll try to click around on it a little bit, but uh, it looks like this is today in weather history in 1980 heat wave we just had a huge heat wave out west i mean there's some really high temperatures but go ahead and tell us a little bit about your website and uh how it works
7: yeah so um it is still kind of under construction so we're still adding some things um just as a heads up but yeah so it's weatherology.com that's uh like that's part of our company and um right there in the center there where you can see the 70th 70th anniversary of the memorial day blizzard of uh, 1947. Uh, each of us all the meteorologists here at Weather Iron Weatherology do blogs, so it's more of a you know Hey kids might need to eventually get to the point where you know They'll be doing some sort of research So we want them to be able to use ours as an example and we go through some of them last for a little bit Some of them are just forecast blogs that end up, you know uh, Expiring by the time they get to the evening hours, but then something like beat the heat or you know the dangers of flash floods We are in severe weather season So that's something that will keep up for a little while and uh, you can see who um has it you know for example there my uh coworker michael caro you can see exactly which meteorologist wrote what and um we interlay pictures and it's a lot of the stuff that we feel the need that people need to know you know so you have the heat index and uh that kind of stuff so I mean, we've been doing these blogs for a long time and we'll continue to do that and we're kind of updating it as the uh, you know, the season goes through a lot of you know winter type of stuff uh, that we end up going through. Yeah, they're under maps. Uh, we have a severe weather map and you know that changes from day to day. You can see that uh, at the top of left of that map, you have day one risk, day two and day three as well. So it's kind of like what we get, what you can see from the national weather service um, and actually I believe it's pulled exactly from there. So it's just kind of our version of it. Um, so if you want to come to our website and see, uh, what exactly you can expect, that's one way to, uh, to do that. Um, and then we have kind of like, a, you know, we've got advisories, kind of what's going on. Um, you can scroll in there as well and over put your mouse over it and you can see exactly what, uh, what the advisory is. And I believe you're able to click on it too. So if you click on a river flash or tornado watch, if you click on it, it actually pops up and tells you what's happening or it should um there you go yeah so there's the actual text from the national weather service for that so we do pull we do pull that but we pull we make it into our own type of graphic so that we have it sort of you know kind of personalized for for us um we have a current radar um we do have apps that are, again are undergoing construction right now but we do have a radar um uh page as well so it's just uh, I think, I believe, you know, you can start the loop you can, hide, we can add warnings. You can hide the warnings. It does take a little bit of time because of the fact that we are adding and taking away a few things. So this is not showing the full potential of what the website is actually going into, but it's actually kind of neat to be able to see it. And you are able to see this on our app as well. Uh, a lot of people tend to uh, really enjoy the fact that our app is kind of a little bit more interactive than some other ones, but uh, it is available also for Android and app, uh, Apple. Uh, iPhone rather so uh, yeah so it's, it's kind of neat um you know we've also got you know, you know advisories reports um, I believe if you click on reports I haven't let's take a look here um, exactly what kind of storm uh, storm reports that have been by storm spotters emergency management by whatever um, and if you click on it it'll take you a little bit closer you can overlay your mouse and see exactly um, uh, yeah, so you can see it, that there was a tornado that was reported by emergency management or how big the hail was. So if you do, you know, if you're kind of curious and you don't know how to navigate around the National Weather Service, it's kind of neat to have this type of system that you can be like, oh, hey, I can just check out what the reports are in my neck of the woods. And there was one inch hail, but, you know, I thought it was larger, but it really wasn't, or I thought it was smaller or that wasn't here. So luckily that kind of passed by us and went somewhere else. Um,
4: is that feeding off of the local storm reports there, or is that yes. where where is this data coming from?
7: I believe it's I believe it's coming off the local storm reports. I but it's I don't believe it's as updated as the local storm reports. Again, because our system is undergoing construction. So um,
4: that's fine. I like it. I like the interactive maps that you have here. They're um, they're pretty helpful. You can really zoom in and, and get a pulse of what's going on in the area.
7: Yeah, yeah, it's really neat and. Um, uh, under social, you can check out social, um, and you know we have a Facebook, Twitter. We do have a YouTube, uh, and I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Google Plus, Instagram, and a, I was not aware that we had a Pinterest, but we have a Pinterest. Um, so you can follow us on any of those. And uh, each specific meteorologist also has uh, at your met, and then our name. So if you want to follow me on uh, on Twitter, you can follow at your met Jenny um and that's kind of where i go into that um but yeah twitter facebook we update that every day throughout the day and it's not just forecasts you know sometimes we'll focus on certain areas but other times we'll also go into um being like here well for example here's your weather history of the month we have a meme monday or a wacky weather wednesday where we talk about you know something like sun halos or something that's not really you know seen as often as you normally are mammatus clouds um you know something that's kind of a little bit neater than regular weather um and uh i'm not entirely sure what you just looked on the widgets yeah so for our radio stations um they are able to uh get download widgets that they can take and put that onto their website so that's kind of neat so it makes it a little bit more personalized and it gives them i believe the cloud cover yeah you can see uh, the current conditions the actual forecasts and advisory so when you go to their websites it'll show you from weatherology here's your forecast just kind of like as a quick little blurb um (coughs) We do do videos also, and this is primarily, we have recommended videos by, you know, uh, I believe we do have the Twin Tornadoes videos up there. Um, I think we do have something from the Moore Tornado, other ones that are kind of neat experiments or whatnot. Um, we do have ones that are actually by Weatherology. It's at the bottom there under the, uh, the video tab, and that's something that my co, one of my coworkers workers and I, we're the ones that are in charge of that. And we do science experiments and we overlay things from that. There are some old podcasts on there or severe weather awareness from 2015. So that obviously hasn't been updated for a while, but if you go a little bit farther down, there's a, that, uh, have some fun when things get bitter cold. So when it was getting bitter cold around certain areas, a lot of stations ended up doing like, Oh, well check this out. This freezes in under 10 minutes and we're going to shatter it. Or you can turn boiling water into snow. Um, we baked cookies in a car. And we also show something about how to make a cloud in a jar. And that's one of the things we actually tend to bring to uh, students at classes because they seem to think that that's super cool to, you know, all of a sudden get this cloud in a jar. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things that we're focused on. Um, the education tab isn't very updated, but, uh, we do do a photo contest with some schools that talk about, um, like, Hey, here's, you know, we would love to have you send in your vid- your, uh, p- weather pictures to us and we'll highlight them. Here, you know, so just to kind of get some students interested and be like, oh, well, I want to draw a rain or a tornado or something along the lines, just to kind of focus them into the specifics about education. Um, and uh, I mean, there's a specific blog, uh, blogs tab. And then under About Us, you can see that uh, you go to About Us and then actually click on the blue Weather Team in the text. I'm pointing to my computers if you can see that. Um, and then these are all the meteorologists that work. So you can follow us easily this way instead of having to search for us. But uh, yeah, this is this is my entire this is the entire team at Weatherology and Weather Eye Radio Network. So yeah, that's basically that's basically our website.
4: Fantastic, um, guys. You have any questions about the the website? I was interested in the apps that you have here. I think we it might be. I'm a, I'm an Android guy, but we can get your app here yes. as well. For is that free or is this a? It is yep, server?
7: it's free. Yep, it's free. And uh, again, we are undergoing some updates with the app, but you are able to download it. You can check it out and see. Uh, you know, we've had people tell us that they do enjoy it. Uh, some of it is interactive. Uh, I know they like our uh, our radar. A lot of people seem to think uh, like our radar, and I believe. Um, you can we have a specific part with our apps that if you want to you are able to upload your specific uh so like storm report so let's say you are just randomly walking somewhere and you happen to see that there's you know golf ball size hail you can upload upload it to our app and we'll be able to see it and then we can confirm to see where that is and all that kind of stuff so that's kind of neat it helps it makes people feel like they're um you know helping out and 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 that's exactly what they're doing it it helps us also to kind of have unofficial storm spotters and uh, or you know even some cool like you know cloud cover uh, cloud cover or a neat sunset or something and people really get into, into that a lot so it's something really really interesting
4: very cool very cool well you know we're getting a little bit past the nine o'clock hour but we do ask all of our guests at least each one what got you interested in weather because it was something that started at a young age or was it something in your adult life how, how did you get involved
7: um it's kind of a really strange story. Um it was kind of a vindictiveness against my 6th grade science teacher which makes zero sense whatsoever. But uh basically I was kind of terrified of storms when I was younger so I figured that if I learned about them I would get less scared and that totally worked, you know, instead of hiding now I'm like, "Yay, storms, let's go outside." Which I don't mean anyone should people shouldn't do that. When some something's happening, go inside. Um just a little PSA for that. Uh, but otherwise, uh, in sixth grade, there was, uh, we had to do some sort of, you know, a science project, a diet, like shoot box diorama. I'm not actually sure if kids do those things anymore, but, um, and we had to pick some sort of natural thing, whether it's earthquakes or volcanoes. And I chose tornadoes because I wanted to learn a little bit more about them. And I just did something. I, I took, uh, cotton balls and colored them gray and I used a Lego house and uh, I glued them all together. And I did like a partial Lego house to show like destruction. And I just had a little Lego guy running away. And it turned out that the teacher uh, gave me an F on it because she thought that my parents had done that. She thought it was too good, which makes zero sense. It's just Legos and cotton balls. And my sixth grade self thought that it would be revenge to get back at her by being like, I'm going to learn everything about the weather and become a meteorologist someday. I guess jokes on her. I don't know. It really makes no sense, but it gave me the motivation to, you know, focus on something. And that's exactly, so that's kind of the age that that started on. Again, it's a very strange story, but that's what I remember most about that.
4: Well, hopefully you don't put her in the polygon whenever severe weather's coming, huh?
1: Exactly. <laughs>
4: <laughs> How about you, Mike?
1: I don't know if there was ever a beginning, necessarily. Um, I weather thing I remember was in one of my classes, I think it was in first or second grade, maybe kindergarten, I was uh, in a class that, uh, the teacher asked us to draw an outside picture and you know how everybody blah puffy clouds you know it's not sunny day all that stuff my clouds were black and uh they sent this home with me in a note to my parents and said there is something wrong with your child because he is drawing your own color in his seen in, in school and I, there on I thought well there are dark clouds so what's your problem and like Jennifer with just being a uh, I'm going to show them that dark clouds happening um, <laughs> but it was it was more of a just thinking why why does this stuff happen when i was younger i was scared to death of storms too so it was jennifer really and uh by the time i got to third or fourth grade i was checking out the same little blue weather book every time my name was in the back of that book because i would just get it and read it over and over and over and over and it just kind of went on from there so i don't know I don't have an event that actually started it, really, but uh, five, six-year-old mom, I'm drawing black clouds, and teachers are saying there's something wrong with me. That kind of started me off to, uh, to find out how this stuff happens, and the rest is history.
4: I think uh, we, we uh, the, what is it called? Astrophobia, I believe, is the fear of storms, and there's several names for it, but I think we have a show coming up uh, with, with that in mind. Scotty, could, who, who is it that's coming on our show for that one? Uh, he's still on mute. I <laughs> will we'll figure that one out later.
5: I think it's um, quite ironic that our show with all the audio problems is about radio. I just wanted to throw that out there. Hit the nail oh, right on the head no and just way. just state
1: the obvious. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. Well, <laughs> no, Mike. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to
5: shame you. I was just, I know, I know. Scotty's <laughs> having some problems as well. It's just, it's just ironic. I think isn't that the world of broadcasting? Right. Like we were talking before. You know, it always happens at the worst possible
2: time. <laughs>
1: exactly.
4: Yeah, especially at the end. Especially at the end. Um, Eric, any questions from you and anyone else? Peter.
2: No. Good good uh, topic, though, tonight. Thanks for being on, Jennifer and Mike.
7: Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate
1: it. Thanks for having me.
4: All right. We'll go uh, real quickly. Let's see. July the 5th, we'll have... I'm kind of going down the list. Usually, Sky does this, so bear with me while, as I look, actually look at another screen to find out. Uh, John <laughs> Siegler, uh, with he's chief meteorologist with uh, WJZY in Charlotte, North Carolina. I uh, will talk about his career in weather. As we go out into July, it looks like we're fairly well booked all the way through. We got, boy, I hate to keep just firing off of the uh, events here. Well,
5: John, uh, Shea, I can tell you, uh, John Ziegler will be joining us. He is the new chief at WJZY, like you said, so he'll be introducing us uh, to himself. Uh, He's been on the air now for just a few weeks here in Charlotte, but he's also looking forward to uh, getting to know uh, more about the Charlotte weather. I think he's from Springfield, Missouri, if I'm not mistaken, and I know that uh, Scotty is going to want to ask about his dog, so tune in for that, because the man has a very talented dog, we've come to learn.
4: (laughs) Very cool. July the twelfth, we'll be talking about effectively communicating risk and uncertainty of flooding as we head into the night. July the nineteenth, we won't get too far ahead in dates, but July nineteenth, we'll talk about rip currents. We have Carl Barnes with the National Weather Service here in Charleston, one of my uh, good friends and colleagues here. He'll be going, coming on, and especially with the late the latest uh, events with folks having some hard times swimming in some sandbars here, it'll be a good topic to cover. Uh, but other than that, I think we're going to wrap up the show. James, if you want to close it out for us, we'll uh, tune in next Wednesday at 8 p.m. He's on mute. And I guess we'll, we'll just end the show there. Do you
1: want me to add something there? <laughs> no, I no, no.
4: We'll
5: go fantastic. ahead and end the show right here. This is uh, Wait, Carolina what with about the,
3: group. The, the social media?
5: Yeah. Yes. I don't know. yes. yes. Mike, uh, let's start with Mike. Uh, We like to end on each show with a chance for our guests to uh, let our audience know how they can find you on social media so folks can reach out to you during tonight's show or even if they're listening on our podcast rebroadcast. So, Mike, where can they find you?
1: The best place to find me is on Twitter. That's the thing that I'm using more and more often every day. I'm at WXMC, and that's just WX and my initials. And uh, that, will, uh, that will get you to me. I'll answer unless it's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I will uh, answer within, you know, unless there's a lot of radio station stuff going on and I just can't get to it. But I'll answer pretty quick at my uh, Twitter. It's at WXMC. Fabulous, and Jennifer, I know a few
5: moments ago you were letting us know about your website and some of your social platforms there. But it'll give you a chance to kind of reiterate the social aspects of how they folks can get in touch with you.
7: Yeah, so the best way to do that is either following us on uh, Facebook at uh, Weatherology, or you can follow me specifically on Twitter at Your Met Jenny. And so I'm pretty good at following people pretty quickly um, with that, or give you know replying to people um, quickly with that as well. So that's going to be the best way at Your Met Jenny.
5: Ah, uh, fabulous, fabulous! I'm looking at our chat, trying to figure out why everyone is talking sports all of a sudden. Go Gators! You're I'm welcome. not sure what's happening.
7: <laughs> well, Mike alluded to the fact that he was also a Cubs fan, so I had to be—I had to, you know, bring.
5: Oh up. yes, I, I thought I thought we were all just going to start geeking out. That uh, are the Cubs home tonight by chance? They've got quite the line of storms uh, moving across northern Illinois there, but. Uh... I, I, hope you, sure. I hope we will have you. yeah, uh, I hope we will have you both back on very soon um, because I know Peter uh, seems to be in an alternate location. I assume his parents have moved him into a um, standby studio while they're redoing <laughs> the main studio at Peter's house because he has a fancy blue microphone, and I'm a little ashamed that I wasn't able tonight to hook this up in time for a big fancy red microphone. so hopefully we can have you guys back on and we can all. Break out our fancy radio microphones next time.
7: That sounds good to me. I've got one. There you go. <laughs>
5: yeah,
7: there we go. I, I can't, can't even get my,
0: have to get, my get my
5: snowball at some point.
4: <laughs> and Scott, he's back on. Tone oh, up. you can go hear right me ahead. Now? Yep, yep.
0: Oh, well, it's about time. Well, thanks everybody uh, for, for for joining us. Yeah, you guys are doing great. Go ahead and close the show out.
3: <laughs> thanks everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks. See you later. Great show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Have a great fourth.